Get your skinny water today at Acme. Great taste, zero guilt. And see how delicious a zero-calorie enhanced with vitamins and electrolytes can be. Because taste matters, doesn't it? Try skinny water today at Acme. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on 1180 WFYL. Each week I get to sit down with a local woman who's running her own business or company and doing it well. And today is no different. If you're listening out there and you'd like to come in and share with us what your business is up to, please feel free to contact me by email at srocco233 at gmail or give me a call at 215 215- 313-5561. I'd love to hear from you. In the studio today, for all you animal lovers out there, is a very good friend of mine and owner of Skipback Animal Hospital, as well as Wagmore Next Door, a brand new doggy daycare in Skipback. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Lisa Evans. Welcome to the studio. Great to be here, Sue. <laughs> Um, Lisa is a local lady, and um, as we always do, we're going to find a little bit about Lisa's background and, and the things that she's done before becoming owner of Skipback Animal Hospital. So let's talk a little bit about where you grew up and I, went to school. Sure. I grew up locally right in uh, Springhouse, Pennsylvania, Montgomery County, on a small horse farm. I went to high school locally at Bishop McDevitt High School. Oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about that. And uh, then I, I went to college and graduate school in Washington, D.C. I attended Mer- American University. Okay. Uh, where I got a, a B.S. in biology. And I played field hockey there on scholarship. Uh, we were not as good uh, then as they are great now. But right. uh, that was a really great experience. From there, I went, I stayed living in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, but I went on to graduate school at University of Maryland, okay. where I worked on a variety of uh, research projects involving animals in my, you know, uh, advent towards going to vet school. Okay. Then uh, after that, I came back to um, Philadelphia, and I attended the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine, so I lived in Philadelphia for four years. And after that, came back to central Montgomery County, not very far from where I grew up. Okay. And we've been there ever since for the last 25 years. So would you say you always knew or knew back when you were a kid that you wanted to do something with animals? Very much so. I, would, I think by the time I was about seven or eight, I, I knew that that was all I ever wanted to do. And I was very much inspired by our family veterinarian who took care of our horses, our dogs. Uh, He'd come out to the farm. He was uh, a James Harriet type of character, and uh, he was really my inspiration. Right. Yeah. That's a great thing to to know as a kid what your interests are and stay with that all these years and, you know, just get more and more knowledgeable. I think that's special to really know what you, to really have that kind of know what you want to do and be able to follow. It's rare. Yes. Yeah. Um, because it's interesting, a lot of the women that come in here to sit down and talk about their businesses, they've taken many different paths to get before there. they get to yes. where they are. I'm a good example of that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your family. I, you have some children that I adore, and one happens to yeah. be in the studio, being yeah. very good over there. My youngest, Sam, is with us today. Um, I'm married to a wonderful man, Hansel Stedman, who is a, a researcher in gene therapy and uh, he works at the University of Pennsylvania. And I have three children. Um, my oldest is uh, a senior at Penn Charter and has an interest in biology, but more towards uh, the bioethics side of the field, oh, which okay. is really, I think, a very a hugely emerging field uh, in their generation, I think, over the next decade and on down the road. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and then I have a, a son who's... Uh, not sure what he's interested in yet, but he has a strong interest in math and science and I remember. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then my youngest, Sam, here, he's uh, he's got an interest in veterinary medicine. He does. And they, I could tell with his interaction with the dogs yeah. out there. Yeah. They, they've all been r- very exposed to the small business side of things uh, because, you know, we've, uh, as I said, we've been there for now almost 25 years, and <clears throat> they see how things run and operate, and 
they are required to jump in sometimes and right. help out and right. uh, you know everything ranging from cleaning up uh, dog dog do <laughs> to making deposits and going to the bank and everything in between. Right, it's a family business. Everybody has to chip in. Yes, they do. So that's that's been very valuable to them, I think. You know what? Uh, I think up. that's really important. This being um, a show really about women in business, I wanted to talk a little bit about what an example you are for Claudia and how um, the work that you do and running your own business is inspirational to her. And, you know, how do you feel about that? I think it's been uh, a, a valuable exposure for her. Uh, you know, she's very much an independent woman. Right. At, at age 17, she's pretty much all grown up. Right. But uh, some of those, the um, the requirements essentially to run a business successfully and, you know, you don't think about the hours that you've worked or um, how much, what is it that you're getting on a day-to-day basis. You're always about the bigger picture. Right. You know, how can we make this uh, a better business? How can we offer better services? What right. can we do differently? What do people need? What do they want? Right. You know, and uh, I think that's been very helpful to her, especially as, you know, women uh, are increasingly becoming owners of small businesses. Right. Um, not only in our country, but worldwide. Right. Yeah. That there's the choice. You know, you can you can choose to, to work for a company and, and do something with skills that you have, or it's nice for young girls to see. I think that women are making their own paths and and going out there and doing things you know uh on their own yeah you know i i guess one really important thing that my daughter has seen is that it's possible it's quite possible to have a family have children and own and operate a business right um i've had many adult um children come to me and say you know uh college students graduate students uh people interested in either medicine or veterinary medicine and they've said to me, you know, I don't know how I'm going to, how do I balance all that? Right. Because I really want to, I really do want to be married and have a family, not just be a professional, uh, but I want that also. And right. it is capable. I mean, it is, it is quite possible to really do all that. Right. And, and have I, it all. you know what? And I think um, a big part of that is, like you said, having everybody chip in. If you've got a family business, everybody has to be a part of it. Right. And everybody rolls up their sleeves. Exactly. And nobody whines about Exa- it. Right. <laughs> And if they do, they're in trouble. Right. <laughs> um, tell me about um, any jobs that you might have had prior to uh, becoming uh, a veterinarian. While I was in college and graduate school, uh, I worked for several different um, local area practitioners. Um, I worked for a mixed animal practitioner who would basically, you know, go out to the farms and work on the cattle. Uh, and the horses. That was down in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is very similar, I think, to the way Montgomery County, Pennsylvania was when I grew up. Okay. We, with very little beef cattle now, but uh, back then we used to have real farms in Montgomery County. And then also they had a, um, a clinic, uh, which is much like our hospital today, where they'd see all comers, you know, all, all creatures great and small, dogs and cats and uh, rabbits, rodents, guinea pigs, pocket pets. Uh, <laughs> birds and iguanas and reptiles. Anything non-human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was great uh, practical clinical experience. Um, and I encourage any young woman or man interested in veterinary medicine to definitely go out and get seek out that um, career experience because it's very important to help solidify your aspirations in knowing exactly what you want to do right to get in there and do it absolutely get your roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty uh during graduate school i i worked uh mainly with sheep in a variety of projects through the usda in beltsville maryland uh where we were working on reproductive physiology uh differential uh variable permeability of the uterine arteries and uh, that's that's stuff that we use. I know use. exactly what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's it's boils down to great information that is used in food animal production worldwide. And uh, there's also lots of um, overlap, as you can imagine, in in human reproductive physiology as well. Right. So infertility, um, OBGYN. So there's that's that's one of the great things about veterinary medicine. It, it's always been very interdigitated with human medicine, right? And it enjoys many of the advances side by side, just as human medicine does as well, right? 
That's that's very interesting. Yeah. So, do you uh, have interns at the hospital? Do you um, have people coming in and? Yes, we do uh, all the time. We we um, will interview and screen for, but accept um, interns, uh, volunteerships, preceptorships. I just uh, finished up with a local young woman. Actually, she goes to Norristown Area High School. She's a senior, and she just finished her senior. It's called the graduation project. Okay. So she just finished that with us. Great. And I thought that was really fabulous for her because she was able to come in, observe surgeries, uh, help with various things, see that, you know, it's not, I said to her now, this isn't a really glamorous job all right. the time. Sometimes right. you're covered in blood and feces and urine and vomit and, you know, animals <laughs> are barking and screaming and crying. And I said, you know, really one of the most important things to, to recognize is that this is a people job. The animals don't get here on their own. They need somebody to drive them up here in the car. And uh, that's something I really emphasize, that it's it's really a, a, a people job with high communication. You're doing it as much for the animal as you are for the owner. Absolutely. Really, you know, taking care of those animals for them because this is their sometimes as important as a member of the family. Yes. Right. So how did she feel when she was done? Was she going to continue to pursue she was inspired she was and she's going to continue to pursue this avenue through uh college and uh <clears throat> she she hopes to be able to uh go to vet school okay yeah so if a kid is interested in coming in and, and spending some time would they just call the hospital and and uh set something up with you how would that work yeah we have them call up and um or come in and fill out an application okay and then we go from there okay yes and i also have College students who come in to do internships, uh, people who are in graduate school who are all looking towards veterinary medicine as a career, uh, not only in what we do, private practice, uh, because veterinary me medicine offers many, many careers in a variety of different um, broad-reaching aspects from research to uh, public health, uh, politics, um, um, pharmaceutical industry, right? And it's um, I think that you know, go as we go forward, veterinarians ha are hugely important in terms of bioterrorism, agriculture, and so uh, it's a very expanding field, right? And there's worldwide, there's lots of great jobs that are available. Okay, um, Lise, let's go back for a little bit um, because I want to talk about when you're you're mentioning the different roles the the field of veterinary medicine is so broad and when you think back to when you were growing up and how you were inspired where did that come from did that come from conversations you had with your parents or did that come from you know somebody outside the family that got you interested in animals and medicine well, Sue, um, my family had uh, also had a small business. Uh, my father was a builder, a local area builder, and uh, he had many rental properties and apartments, which he owned and managed. And so from a very young age, I was working for him on the job. Um, I was the landscaping queen of Montgomery County. <laughs> I would be responsible for uh, maintaining various apartment buildings, cleaning the stairwells, taking the lint out of the dryers, taking all the coins out of the uh, the laundry, right? Um, Doing cutting, the grunt work, cutting that's the grass. The yes, yes, absolutely, and and being paid all the while, but uh, always you know working weekends and nights and whenever it was required. So I think that really instilled in me the desire to. I always knew that I would own my own business someday. And that probably came from my family. Okay. My mother also is a very, very was a very hardworking, industrious woman who owned her own business as well. And what was that business? Uh, she was actually um, she owned a company uh, called um, Education e EFE Electronics for Education. Okay. And they would make like um, uh, the uh, circuit boards and electronics for. They'd get an order from say Ford Motor Company. And they'd make the uh, circuit boards and then provide them back out again. Okay. So um, uh, that's that's where the I guess the personal uh, work ethic came from and the desire to you know move move forward in that direction. Right. But with regards to the whole academic rigors, my family n neither neither my mother or father went to college. In fact, my father dropped out of high school, so they were not helpful when it came time to 
pursue the required academic, you know, it's great. You can say, well, I want to be my own person and I want to have my own business. Right. But if you want to be doing that right. as a professional, as a woman, even as a man, and you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a veterinarian, an engineer, um, you need to make sure you've got to have that degree. You've got to have that sheepskin. And it's a process. Absolutely. There's a lot to be done. And, and we both know, you know, we have we each have a kid looking to get into college right now. That process is daunting. Absolutely. And it's extremely complicated. Yes. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. So how who guided you through that process as far as, you know, researching where you were going to go, filling out all the paperwork? I actually, uh, and this has changed a lot. I, I would actually say that my f- high school field hockey coach was the one who guided me. Wow. And helped me to uh, be recruited and pursue uh, that avenue. That's really what how I got my start in college. Okay, was so through, through field hockey and, and uh, scholarship. Right. Yeah. So after that, I was on my way. And you went. Did you go to American on the full scholarship for field hockey? Yes, I did. Okay. And I know your daughter Claudia plays as well. Is she pursuing that same? She's she's avenue? looking ahead. Uh, the Division One scene has changed a lot, Sue. I know. Uh, I know. I have. I can say, as I think back, the only regret I ever had was that during my four years of college, I really did want to go abroad for a semester. Okay. I wanted to study in Europe. I wanted to become fluent in a foreign language. And as I said, we were not as good back then as they are now. Right. But you were not allowed to go abroad. That was. That's my one regret. As an athlete. And yes. And now I see and I hear this from all the high school seniors as well as college students that. Uh, Division one is daunting. Right. They own you. They Sue. do. They do. You can't, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Right. There's, I see through my daughter's eyes, there's a tremendous difference between division one and division three. She's being actively pursued and recruited by the division three schools and right. not so much recruited at all by the division one schools. But right. she's long, uh, uh, quite a while ago, decided that she doesn't want to go division one because of its intensity. Right. So Although I don't she know. wants to continue to play the sport, it, it's it's tough for the kids to make that decision. I want to play. I want to continue to be active and play the sport I love, but I also want the full college experience, and I want to be able to choose to join other organizations yes. or do other things. Now, at the same time, the other thing I've seen is that college um, sports club teams have evolved hugely. Yes, which I don't is great. even remember seeing them in high school when we were in high school no, and college. Neither do I, but I wasn't an athlete. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was going on in that area. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, again, there's a lot of discussion um, as we go on these various college tours um, for students who are academically excellent, such as my daughter, right. to be able to still pursue that as well as play sports without feeling like the sport owns your life. Yeah, and it should be that way. Yeah, there's maybe there's been a little bit too much of a push in that direction. Right, definitely. So uh, then upon graduation, uh, was there somebody in your life at that point that kind of um, guided you and assisted you into what is that first uh, career step going to be? To eventually become owner of your during your own during hospital. the years I spent in Washington D.C., I, I pursued a variety of different part-time jobs. Okay, and uh, really felt that I was um, I was able to get a variety of uh, different experiences, uh, ranging from private practice to farm experience, which I'd already had from right. growing up on a farm. Right. That was that was a plus to uh, the reach the research side of things. So that was very helpful. And uh, it uh, led me to uh, pursue graduate school, uh, where I was definitely more exposed to the research side of things. Right. As the USDA is a huge employer. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, Lisa, tell me uh, how you went about finding the location for the hospital. Okay. Um, Shortly after I uh, graduated from vet school, I came back to uh, the area where I grew up and was living not very far from there. And I went to work for a young man, young veterinarian named Dr. Bruce Huguenier, who owned a very small clinic called Skipback Veterinary Clinic in the heart of Skipback. And he hired me uh, essentially because he wanted to be, have more free time to fly his ultralight plane. 
which he which he had uh, at a local airport. Well, tragically, about five months after I began working for him, he had a crash and he died. Oh no! At a very young age, and oh. uh, the story, you know, that's a very he wasn't planning on leaving, and so essentially the the practice had dropped into my lap. I had. Uh, through him, met his wife, a lovely person who's a, a dentist. She also had her own business in Trap locally. And we essentially became obligate overnight partners. Wow. And we worked together over the next three or four months to flesh out a deal where I purchased the practice from her. Wow. And she actually helped me uh, financially. She subsidized the deal, which to me was huge because... I didn't really know her from a load of hay, and I right. thought that was amazing. Well, that was some 25 years ago, and she and I have been best friends ever since. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Had you been contemplating, perhaps, <laughs> I mean, up until that point, were you thinking, one day I'd like to take this over if he retires, or did it just I had overnight? been thinking I was soon going to be looking elsewhere to see if I could buy a practice somewhere. His was certainly not for sale. It was not... You know, that wasn't that tragedy was certainly not something he was planning on. Right. Uh, so I thought I would eventually start to look around and see if there was anything for sale or um, see if there was a place where I could essentially start my own practice. Right. So, well, shortly after that whole tragedy occurred, um, it did become very obvious to me that we were going to overwhelm this small little building. It was an old 150-year-old um, little house that uh, had you know steep stairs and oh, narrow doorways. so that's doorways. not the original, the building N- you're in now is not the original that's building. That's correct. Okay. That, we, um, we very quickly uh, positioned ourselves to buy what was essentially the last piece of open ground in Skipac that was, that's on the main, the main road there. The right. location is, is really great. And so we negotiated a deal with the uh, current owner of that piece of land, which was across the street, that, that took about three years to do that. And then uh, I had a builder from Delaware come up and build the state-of-the-art hospital, uh, which is where we are now, uh, with plenty of um, physical plant space as well as areas outside. We have lots of ground. and uh, how, many, how much ground do you have between the um, hospital and the doggy daycare? All told, it's about two and a half acres. Oh, that's maybe awesome. Maybe close to three, yeah. Right. With several buildings uh, located on on the premises for the doggy daycare, uh, various there are there are various uh, areas for exercise uh, located on the properties. Uh, there's also apartments. So some of the people who uh, work for me um, actually live there on oh, site. That's ideal. Yes, it is. Someone's always there. Yes. And it's wonderful. In case of an emergency, is that, yes. is that somebody would Somebody's, actually? Yeah, that's great. It's been great. The, so I think part of the success really for everything has been that it's Skip Back has always been, it was a sleepy little kind of farm town when I first started working there right. 25 years ago. But over the years, it's become, you know, the uh, central Montgomery County boutique antique right. restaurant capital right but not only that <laughs> lots of animal lovers in our area absolutely and yes. i don't know anyone in Skipback who doesn't own a dog i don't think and they consider them members of the family sue right just like just like we do right and they do. so that's uh, that's an important component too animals uh dogs and cats very definitely have um a very real place in their in the social hierarchy of their family. They do, they do, and you know, we're, there's so many things I want to talk about as far as your practice, the services. Um, there's a lot of things that you offer. I don't think people realize um, that when they bring their pet to your hospital, you can provide anything that they need. Um, and we're going to get into all of that when we come back in the second half. We're going to take a little break for our sponsors, and we'll be back. News Talk 1180 WFYL, streaming live at 1180WFYL.com. Wagmore Next Door is Skip Back Animal Hospital's latest addition to help meet the needs of your pet. We're the only animal hospital in the Skip Back and surrounding area now providing a doggy day camp and one-stop shopping for your pet's exercise and fun. Have you ever come home after a long day at work 
to find that your dog has eaten your favorite pair of underwear or socks, destroyed parts of your home, or shoplifted an entire chicken from the kitchen countertop, leaving your dog home alone can be dangerous and life-threatening. Wagmore Next Door is fully supervised and operated by trained animal professionals. Here your dog will run and play with other dogs. Obedience training is also available and very popular. Your dog will go home tired, content, and happy. We have many packages to choose from to accommodate your work schedule, vacation schedule, and out-of-town schedule. Please join us for our grand opening on September 15, 2012 from 11 to 3. It's a family day with food, games, and fun for everyone. For information, please call us at 610-584-6300 or you can visit our website, skipbackanimalhospital.com. You can also check out our Facebook page. We can't wait to see you. Get your skinny water today at Acme. Great taste, zero guilt. And see how delicious a zero-calorie enhanced with vitamins and electrolytes can be. Because taste matters, doesn't it? Try skinny water today at Acme. Is your online store cluttering your house and garage with your product? Does it require you to spend all your free time shipping packages, leaving you no time to work with new customers or develop new marketing initiatives? Now is the time to free up your space and time and let ABC Fulfillment provide you with cost-effective warehousing, order processing, and shipping for your products. Our 20,000-square-foot warehouse is conveniently located in Ambler, PA. ABC Fulfillment is a 100% woman-owned and operated business and has helped many small and mid-sized businesses solve their warehousing and order processing problems. We pride ourselves on our attention to detail as well as our excellent customer service. When you call us, you will always speak with someone who can help you solve your problem and not be asked to leave a message. Our personal touch and expertise separates us from the rest. Last year, we shipped over 150,000 packages for our customers, including order processing and shipping for the Jill Steals and Deals segment of the Today Show saving our customers both time and money. If you would like to spend more time finding new products to sell, reaching new customers, and marketing your products, now is the time to call ABC Fulfillment. Please call 215-628-3154 and ask for Eileen or Lisa to help you get started. From Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia, it's News Talk 1180 WFYL. Okay, gang, we're back. We're back with Dr. Lisa Evans, uh, owner of Skipback Animal Hospital and an exciting brand new doggy daycare, which is right next door, and it's called Wagmore Next Door. And uh, I'd love to hear all about the daycare. Yeah. What's going on with these dogs at a daycare center? <clears throat> well, this is really a lot of fun, very exciting. This has become my new passion. Um, we uh, just recently set up this new business called Wagmore Next Door. And I think, Sue, it's in part for me born out of my realization that over the last several years uh, in private practice, we see a tremendous number of problems in dogs really just born out of boredom right they're bored they're bored so they they, they sit can't at, they, just be left they can't sit at home all day i have clients who come in and the dog destroyed half the wall and ate the door and uh dogs, and they're wondering why exactly and they want sometimes they want to put the dog on drugs prozac and i even that i look in our pharmacy and we have now three or four shelves of Prozac and various uh, anxiety drugs and oh mood modifiers. God. And I think to myself, oh, that's ridiculous. Right. 20 years ago, we didn't have that in no. the pharmacy. Right. And uh, it's, I really believe that so many of these problems, eating things you shouldn't eat, tennis balls, golf balls, underwear, uh, <laughs> socks, oh my goodness, that become, uh, you know, the animals become obstructed. Um, this is a huge life-threatening problem. They come in, they need surgery that day. We have to go into their abdomen and take out whatever's in there. We've experienced that. Yes, and yep. sometimes they'll end up having to stay in the hospital for a week. It's expensive, 
And the problem with all that is, okay, so we can save their lives, do this um, life-saving surgery, but when they go home, at the end of the stay, it's not as if they really went to McDonald's and ate a rotten hamburger and developed a conditioned taste aversion. They're ready to eat that tennis ball or eat that underwear again. Exactly. And so I've had numerous dogs over the years, most notably Labradors, who they're the worst one dog i had to do um exploratory surgery six different times for six different things and uh, so they have a short memory consequently um we decided we'd start up this doggy daycare dogs come in as members one two three or five days a week and they are assessed for their personality and their level of sociability um, training is also available, basic obedience training, because almost everybody needs that. Right. And then they play all day with other dogs of their same size. And the play, when you watch them, it's really anaerobic. They, if you've ever watched a group of dogs play together, it's, it's great. They all, they have a system where they'll play and it's anaerobic. And then everybody goes off to the four corners and they all sit there and rest for a couple of minutes and they come back and do it again. (laughs) And they decide which one they want to come back to and which one they don't. Yeah. And so, you know, it's great. At the end of the day, they go home happy and tired. Right. And And you know what? Their owners are thrilled. Another aspect of this is that it's needed because there's so many people working. If you have two people in a household, the dogs are being left home alone because more now than ever, both you know, mom and dad are out working and there are more hours at home by themselves. The other things we find, uh, even for people who I have several clients who they come in five days a week and they work from home, but they say on these, on these days, when we are working from home, we need to get our work done. Right. And if we keep our dogs, Holly and Joey here with us, they're staring at us. They want to rock and roll. They they can't be bothered. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I have other people who are out looking for jobs. But uh, for their dog to ride in the car with them all day is not a form of exercise. Right. So it's been really wonderful. Um, it's a lot of fun. The dogs love it. The staff loves it. It's, uh, it's really all the rage. We've, it's, it's got a variety of different options available with it. As I said, there's um, obedience training that's available. I have uh, a woman named Allison Von Chernig who was the manager uh, she runs this whole doggy daycare and does a fabulous job. And um, we have also, um, there's, for the one dog that I have, we've actually started doing a lot of agility. And that's another area that we could uh, expand into in the future. It's, right. It's a personal passion of mine. Oh, neat. Yeah. So they need exercise, just like we do. Yes, they do. And the different packages is important to to point out because I think somebody doesn't have to drop the dog off at 8 a.m. and pick the dog up at 6. Whatever your schedule is, it's it's yes. accommodating we for can, that. We, can, we are open all those hours, actually from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m., but we can work with you. Okay. Some people, you know, they, don't, they drop off on their way to work or on right. their way to an appointment at 9 and then they'll can pick you do up a drop? Can you do a drop-off? Let's say you, there's a day that you... Um, didn't plan ahead to have the dog there and something comes up are you able to pay by the day yes if they've been assessed if they've gone through the assessment okay. and so we know you know basically what their personality is like and what their behavior is like and where they belong in what group okay. then yeah you can do drop-offs as oh, that's well that's great yeah that's great okay let's let's talk a little bit about uh the hospital and the services and everything that you offer there it's not just uh bring the dog to skip back animal hospital if if they're sick um, you know, we should talk a little bit about the preventative um, things that people should be doing and can learn about from, from you guys. Yeah, so that's really an important point, uh, prevention, prevention medicine. As we all know, unfortunately, dogs and cats just don't live long enough. You know, 15, 16, 17, you're, you're out on the right-hand side of the warranty. So <laughs> we really do try to emphasize prevention because... Um, Well, it's still very true. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Exactly. And so uh, this is why we really emphasize a a physical exam being done by the veterinarian once a year. And as as your dog or cat approaches, I would say by age seven, we start to consider them to be senior citizens. And if you consider the fact that dogs and cats 
on average age at about seven years per one year of human life, then after age seven, we start to recommend to people that you bring your cat or dog to the veterinarian twice a year for routine, for physical examinations, to look for things that are wrong or abnormal, um, as well as uh, preventative vaccinations and so forth. Right. Because you think about that, every six months is three and a half years. So a lot of time goes by quickly. Right. And, and, and this is to avoid, you know, these checkups a couple of times a year is going to, you know, um, avoid a major situation down the road that could be extremely costly. Absolutely. For example, you know, we've, we've discussed this before, oral exams. We see a ton of uh, sur- um, tumors in the mouth because the, the oral cavity in dogs and cats, and I think maybe in people as well, uh, represents one of the most common sites for tumors. So it's an area where if we catch things early, we can correct it. Right. And I think people don't even realize that dogs need dental care. Oh, they absolutely. absolutely do. It- it's extremely common in most all dogs and worse in some breeds, the terriers, the poodles, the greyhounds. They tend to really develop very bad advanced dental disease without regular care. Right. And in part, the regular care is educating the owners that daily brushing is really still where it's at, you know? Believe it or not, yes. a dog has to brush his teeth. <laughs> and my husband would advocate for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, we were talking the other day, too, about allergies, that um, allergies just like humans, I mean, um, animals just like humans suffer from allergies. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. <clears throat> we uh, take care of uh a huge number of dogs and cats who suffer from the same types of seasonal allergies that people do. They manifest them in a different way. To a large extent, they will scratch and itch and therefore develop problems with their skin and their ears. Right. Uh, but it's on the same par. It's almost uncanny how you can see in their record that they came in in the year 2011. They came in on September 24th for these symptoms. And lo and behold, this, the next year, on September 24th, they're back again. As do uh, we every year. Why do I have like this clockwork. cough yes. every September? Well, I did last year. Yes. And Maybe in fact, it's allergies. This week, this week is a perfect example. On Monday, practically everything I saw was an emergent situation. And every single person, none of whom got to speak to one another, said to me, within the last 36 to 48 hours, something attacked my dog or my cat and he or she has been scratching like crazy and this was all in one day yes from yeah. so from like saturday to monday something emerged right i think the ragweed is very proli- it's very proliferative right now mm-hmm. along with other classes of weeds that we know to be common this time of the year we, we call them the fall allergies and they will prevail from now until we have a couple of real killing frosts right and so we at Skip Back Animal Hospital, we do lots of dermatology and allergy prevention and treatment. Um, allergies are, just like in people, something that really the use of antibiotics and antihistamines and anti-inflammatory pills are passe. They're 1985 medicine. Really, they are just a, essentially putting a Band-Aid on the problem. All the while, the allergies are, you know, evolving in in uh, the individual. So we really recommend testing, uh, a blood test, and intradermal testing can be done as well for the individual. Uh, after the test, a we get a panel of the 55 different allergens to which they can be allergic in our environment. And typically, a dog or a cat is not allergic to just one thing. It's a whole family of grasses or weeds or trees, just like in people. Right. And then from there, what happens is a serum can be made up uh, that is given by the owner in injections that are given twice a week. And there's also um, a therapy that is uh, delivered under the tongue, an oral therapy. Okay. For those who can't give a a needle to their pet. So these work really well. Essentially, the difference is is that this is the only thing that we offer in veterinary and human medicine that is an effect towards control of the problem, towards teaching your immune system to become tolerant to the things with which it naturally lives. 
I mean, when you think about it, it seems a bit absurd to be allergic to grass when you've always been around grass and you'll always be around grass and right. you can't escape it unless right. you move to the desert. Right. So um, this is very, very common. We have many, many dogs on our allergy program as well as cats. And uh, it's very helpful and very useful. I would say that's one of the areas in veterinary medicine that has evolved the most over the last 20 years. Okay. But so have allergies to the environment right. and allergies to food. And, and, and adults developing it um, later in life, where typically yes. years ago, I think kids had allergies. Now people go their whole lives you without, and all of a time. sudden in their 40s, they have them. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yes. So um, talking about preventative care, let's talk a little bit about vaccinations and vaccines and, and how you feel that plays a part in a dog's care. Uh, yes, yeah, still very important, always has been, probably always will be, uh, rabies. Rabies is still epidemic in Montgomery County. And in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the reservoir, what we call the wild animal reservoir, is really um, foxes, raccoons, bats. And uh, very recently in Bluebell, there was a story of an indoor cat who contracted rabies. Uh, a bat had flown into the house four or five days before that. Um, the owners didn't know about that right away. But even that, that's abnormal behavior for the bat to fly into a... Right. To, to seek... I hope. Yes, to come into <laughs> a person's house. I don't need any house. bats. Fly. We have a ton of bats. Yes, but then our house. naturally the cat and the bat are going are gonna to mix it up. Right. Now, had that cat had a simple rabies vaccine, um, everything would have been fine. But the cat was not vaccinated, so the cat had to be um, humanely destroyed and tested for rabies. Oh, tested boy. positive, right. and the whole family had to be vaccinated against, uh, had to get the post-exposure vaccines. So that's still something that's very, very important, um, probably most especially in cats, but also in dogs and horses and other species as well. I say cats because they tend to represent the barrier between, because they are hunters, uh, they tend to represent the barrier between the wild animal population reservoir and hum human beings. So Now, I'm curious to know... Um, what the difference is between uh, the animals that are brought into the hospital with regard to allergies. Are the allergies that are out there the same for cats as for dogs, as for rabbits, as for whatever the pets they're bringing in? Yes, they seem to be affected by all the same allergens, just like people are. And, uh, but I think dogs suffer the worst, um, and then next cats, and then we, we do see some in rabbits as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, something else we talked about the other day, Lise, was um, the fact that there is insurance for animals. Um, I think families have no idea that it's another way to safeguard themselves from future, um, you know, situations is to get some insurance. Yes, it's very interesting and um, also, you know, evolving. I had a conversation with uh, the... Uh, one of the professors in oral surgery at the vet school, the University of Pennsylvania, he's from Austria. And it was very interesting in this discussion we were having about insurance. He said that in Europe, 90% uh, of people have their pets insured. Wow, 90%. 90%. And he, wow. al he also said 90% of Europeans are insured. So it, it's interesting that contrast because here in the U.S., while it is... Um, it's continuing to gain uh, interest and popularity. The majority of people do not know about insurance for their pets. Right. They're not aware that it's available. Right. There are several different companies that carry insurance. Um, I'll throw out this plug. We, I, I recommend Pet Plan USA, which is a Philadelphia-based company. Uh, I don't get anything for saying that, Sue, but uh, <laughs> they will thank you. I, I have some personal <laughs> personal interest stories. Uh, for example, you know, one of the most common uh, orthopedic injuries we see in dogs is uh, a an anterior cruciate ligament rupture, much like people get from playing basketball or downhill ski racing. This is a rupture of the anterior cruciate ligament, which requires surgery in large breed dogs, large and giant breed dogs, to repair. And it's expensive. From the time uh, we begin with the surgery throughout the rehab, and laser for rehab and continued uh, physical therapy, it runs, I'm going to say it runs about 2000 20, between 2000 and $2,500. So for the surgery. For, for the whole package. Right, okay. And, you know, I'm not sure the average person is thinking, well, I, I, better, I better plan 
I better plan to have 2,500 I can put down on right. this problem. Right. And so um, that's something for which uh, if you have the insurance in, in place as a young puppy, um, when they're young and healthy, then it'll be there for you. And what um, are the typical costs for insurance? Well, for if you start out at the beginning, which you should do with a young, healthy puppy, it's going to cost you about $37 a month. So very quickly, with any one of these problems that run three, four, five thousand dollars, it'll pay for itself. Right. And that's something that I have seen evolve really in my experience over the over the last couple of decades. Veterinary medicine has gotten so sophisticated, and I tell my clients this, that there's really nothing we can't do when your pet gets sick. Uh, they develop a cancer. Uh, we there's we're really on par with human medicine from kidney transplants, nuclear scintigraphy, uh, chemotherapy, radiation treatment, and the only problem is it costs money. Right. And it can be big money. It's not been unheard of to turn out cases where we, we do surgery for a tumor and then we're referring to uh, an oncologist for on, ongoing care <clears throat> over the next two, three years. The bill can be, by the time the person is done, easily $20,000. Now, do you do those services at your hospital? The we, we do the surgery treatments. And we the do the surgeries, surgeries, but the cancer treatments we refer out. Okay. Yes. And where do you go specialist. for that? Uh, there are a variety of places. I do recommend the University of Pennsylvania, the School of Veterinary Medicine, and uh, they have a great cancer uh, center there, and they also have a great imaging center for uh, for diagnostic imaging, such as MRIs and CAT scans and all that stuff. Is Although really you common. Do um, x-rays um, in your... Yes, yeah, survey x-rays. Right. The, 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 fr the front line, the first line. And uh, so, yeah, I really do strongly recommend uh, the insurance. There are other companies out there. There's companies endorsed by Purina and uh, the ASPCA. Um, I think it's... Uh, I know the people who have it are very thankful to have it. Uh, at the time when they have to make difficult decisions about their pet's health care, right. how to go forward, right. what decisions to make, you know, what's the best thing. They are suddenly no longer thinking about the money. They're thinking about, I want to do what's best for my pet, and I can do it now. Right. And that's great. It is great. Yeah. It's great that, that all those services are out there. Um, you are not the only doctor <laughs> in your practice. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the other doctors that are in there? Yes, we have a staff of about... Uh, all, all told with the doggy daycare as well. Uh, there are about uh, 12 of us, and I have myself and Dr. Lynn Platt, who's also a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania and has been practicing for many years locally. She joins us. Uh, I have uh, Dr. John Monshine, who's um, had a practice of his own in Gilbertsville, and uh, he works with us as well. He's been with us for many years. And we have uh, an ultrasonographer, Dr. Debbie Lane. I think all of us are graduates of the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, but are you? That's, that's fairly common <laughs> around here. We don't flock far from, from Philadelphia. <laughs> you only deal with the locals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you also have boarding. Um, I know that many times if we're going away on vacation, we've left our dogs in your great care. And um, I'm wondering is now that you have the Wagmore next door, are is the boarding going to take place over there or still in the hospital? It's, uh, it's, it's still in the hospital, um, but this is another area people really love. They, they have to go away on vacation for a couple of weeks or they go on a business trip and they're away. Not, not only do they want to keep their uh, animals someplace where they know they're safe and sound, but they also want them to be able to get that exercise during the day so right. that they're happy. Uh, they also got a little vacation of their own, right? And uh, so we we tend to we bring all those services together, so that we really are one stop shopping, right? So what's a typical day for a dog if being left um, in in the boarding with you uh, while the owners are away? What do what do they get to do throughout the day? Uh, well, we will um, between seven and eight thirty. They'll go out to the doggy daycare where they will um, play with other Recess. dogs. 
Yeah, it's essentially many, it's about three <laughs> hours of recess, right. <laughs> followed by an hour of come inside with your blankie and <laughs> and get some Settle cookies down and milk. a little, yeah. yeah. Have a little nap. Right. And that's, you know, varied, uh, that's individualized. If we have an older dog who tires out more quickly or needs more nap time, they come in and have more nap time. Right. And throughout that period of time, they can also be receiving um, obedience training. And whatever else they need medically, if they're on medications, that's, that's an area that we really emphasize because that's what we're all about. We'll take care of all their um, needs. Some people will even schedule elective procedures to be done during that period of time so that uh, everything is all done for them when they get back from their vacation or their business trip. And I understand they can also be cleaned up. <laughs> so I always would sneak that in there and, you know, make sure that uh, Buddy gets a bath. Don't tell Chip, but make sure he gets a bath. For some of these dogs in the doggy daycare, I don't know how they do it, but they get a, they get a shower at the end of every day. <laughs> I love that. Uh, no, they do come home happy, and that's really important. Um, at least it's been so great having you in here today. You, I think you've given a boatload of information, a lot of stuff that – people truly did not know about um, services that are out there for our pets. And um, lastly, I'd love for you to just give the contact information for the listeners. Um, if people are interested uh, in finding you, where can they do that? Sure. We're Skipback Animal Hospital and Wagmore Next Door. We are located in the beautiful downtown historic village of Skipback <laughs> in central Montgomery County. The telephone number is 610 584 6300. Uh, you can visit our website at www.skipbackanimalhospital.com and you can friend us on Facebook. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much, Lisa. I think, uh, I think it was a great me. interview. This is great. Thanks for coming in. Okay, gang, we're all done today with uh, Women to Watch here on 1180 WFYL. And again, if you're listening and you'd like to come in and talk about your business, <laughs> please give me a call at 215-313-5561 uh, or feel free to shoot me an email at srocco233 at gmail. And lastly, real quick, I wanted to mention that uh, Skip Back Animal Hospital is also one of, uh, one of the sponsors of the show. So thanks, Lisa, for that as well. You're welcome. See you next week. Get your skinny water today at Acme. Great taste, zero guilt. And see how delicious a zero-calorie enhanced with vitamins and electrolytes can be. Because taste matters, doesn't it? Try skinny water today at Acme.